This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Let's call them in. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, episode 316, Paradise Lost, is brought to you by GT Agrochemical. GMOs, world domination, it's all the same. Pete, before we get rolling in tonight's episode, just want to take a moment to thank everybody who's helping us out on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, particularly Mary Kirk, who uh, who has uh, volunteered to lend an extra hand. So thank you one and all. Thank you to future listeners who are going to go there and check it out. But uh, again, top of the list, Mary Kirk. So thank you, Mary. We are so very grateful and thankful for everybody who's even checked out the page we are continuing to update it with all sorts of uh interesting perks uh some of which are going to change so you may want to check it out sooner rather than later be able to check out what's there now what's coming in the future and uh we're working towards some special things there so uh please take a minute uh take a look and uh really thankful for the kindness you might lend When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser begins here outside a mansion, uh, black cars reminiscent of a certain day and age, and the Chiron tells us it is 1970. And uh, an older gentleman telling a younger man, Gideon, your father was a true believer, uh, and that uh, Daniel uh, will, uh, will see them soon. And uh, they will do everything that they can. The Daniel is uh, later explained by another young man to be Daniel Whitehall. Pete, it's made clear in short order here that indeed it is Daniel Whitehall who sends his regards. Uh, there's there's an air that these two boys must must kind of uh, genuflect before the, the the head of Hydra here. Exposition about how the Malik boys with Gideon resistant have to get in line with this this modern Hydra despite their late dad's misgivings. Flash forward to stately Malik Manor. Uh, Squidward, there he is looking stately too, along with uh, Stephanie, the daughter. It's Stephanie Malik, uh, Gideon's daughter. And uh, Pete, now it's time for, for Ward to reveal his true self. A little bit before that, though, before we get the reveal that uh, Squidward is there, um, Stephanie starts in with, uh, you've been holding out on me. You didn't tell me he was a looker, you know, tall and handsome. Oh, He's here, he being, of course, Squidward. So the idea of some kind of romantic entanglement with the former Grant Ward that we floated all the way back when uh, Stephanie Malik first appeared in a tag scene, I want to say at the beginning of this block of episodes back at, uh, at 311, so five episodes ago, uh, coming to at least the tease of fruition here. It is a nice tease for a storyline not explored. The 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 shocking conclusion to the episode that we'll get to in short order uh, certainly kind of uh, misdirected here, and I really appreciate that. 
our first act here begins with Coulson in his office looking at the still, the camera still of not Grant Ward, uh, his robot hand angry. <laughs> so true, Pete. I love that they have transitioned to the 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 uh, the skin colored hand, the color of the rest of Colson's skin, and uh, they're able to you know do the little effect there to remind us it is the robot hand. Uh, May enters the screen, uh, the scene rather. She doesn't want to talk about Andrew, which in and of itself is kind of a nice not 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 quite a recap but it, it's kind of a, a backward look to to remind us of things from the previous episode uh also a really interesting line here from colson frustrated feeling that they are continuing to clean up messes of their own creation uh there is an upside though pete uh may would like to see grant ward killed again yes and this subject that um colson says or said to may that he had killed ward obviously you didn't kill him hard enough she retorts but that um colson doesn't have as many kills under her under his belt she says so uh the idea of an effect on him which we nicely come back to later in this episode um in that he's made this horrible threat he's created the conditions under which this horrible threat has come back to earth the story then moves to uh the lab where fitzsimmons sky and mac are all looking over what i call in my notes pete i, I think a, a callback to a twitter observation of yours from last week they're looking over the indiana jones skeletons um there's notion here uh the notion here is explored that uh ward has been taken over by some other other force they note that ward is dead ward is dead paul is dead i am the walrus and also ward is dead uh i don't know if you want to say anything about this scene pete but i just want to tease in the next scene in colson's office ward is dead fitz says again yes uh hashtag ward dead but um simmons brings up that whatever has been brought back with uh, Ward, destroyed an entire civilization over there. And then a red shirt comes and gets them that Director Coulson will see you in his office so he can tell you Ward is dead. I'm adding that last little part. <laughs> uh, in Coulson's office, too, there's, there's your standard expositional setup for what's our mission, where are we going, they're going to go after Malik with Daisy and Lincoln peeling off so that they can go to the Badlands and talk to a not quite inhuman uh, from Afterlife. Just want to point out, Pete, given that the show, okay, they tease that S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ is in an unknown location, which is also a driving distance to Washington, D.C. Um, if they're headed to Europe, then I don't know that Daisy and Lincoln need to peel off to go to the Badlands in in uh, the Dakotas, um, as those are in two opposite directions from uh, Washington, D.C., but maybe that's kind of taking the woeful suspension of disbelief a bit too kind of close to the, close to the, the core there. But this inhuman that's teased, who's not quite an inhuman, we later discover, um, seems to have some idea about what Ward might be. Um, we head back to uh, stately Malik Mansion, where uh, 
Malik and his daughter are talking and he reveals to someone for the first time that he saw his death and that he believes that Ward is the killer. In this vision of the future, really, really nice effect. Uh, not just as the blood is spilling down his face and all that, but they, uh, they, they did, I think, engineer a moment where the fake blood is on his eyelids, his closed eyelids, uh, him hearing refer to, to the actor, I suppose, um, with blood on his eyelids, eyelids closed. It made it look like his eyes were open and all bloody and squishy. Really, really nice effect there. Again, ending with the idea, who done the dirty deed? It's Ward as we head to an act break. Act two begins with the Malik boys uh, meeting with Daniel Whitehall um, that uh, their their father died before the upcoming stone ceremony floated out here for the first time. And Whitehall explaining to these boys that he is a man of science, that he finds such rituals foolish. But your father, he was not a fool. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, Whitehall still speckin' the Dutch accentin. Um and it it's it's a nice bit of um I don't want to say story conceit because that's a little kind of pompous and unfair. <laughs> Although isn't that what we do, Pete? But um it's it's a nice little opportunity that since we are flashing back to when Whitehall would still be alive, you can circle back, have the character, have the actor, so on and so forth. More interesting to me though, is this uh, reminder, if not if not brief exploration of the Malik family pursuing the religious acts aspects to this ancient order, whereas Whitehall is pushing Hydra 2.0, the the modern Hydra, um, albeit modern in the 1970s. And uh, then there's that reveal that uh, Papa Malik once did or continually did this parlor trick, so that he was never the guy who pulled the white rock to be sent to the alien planet and, you know, never, ever come back again. There's this reverence that the boys obviously have given the father's um, penchant for the ceremony here that uh, even down to the rhetoric to, to be chosen to be the traveler is a great honor, blah, 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 blah. And then loved how Whitehall just cut them down, you know, oh yes, where we have a bag of, of black rocks and there's one white and one person picks it to be sacrificed to a liquefying rock. You know, he, he just makes it the the goofy thing that it would seem until the the frightening concept comes to life of, as we've seen. And um explaining that uh yeah your dad's got this trick check out uh paradise lost there in his uh his study there buddy boy we return to the present day where stephanie malik tells her dad that she should be confident uh after all he's the one that has brought uh squidward here uh all he's worked for has come to fruition be confident is the message from stephanie malik wonders if his own death might be a power play uh, by Squidward, and and this is probably a point, Pete, where it's been hammered home so many times that Squidward will kill him that we we might want to be suspicious for future episodes. But Pete, I love here how Stephanie's trying to give some of her own strength to Malik, telling him in in, in what I suspect is meant to be a gender free kind of sense that uh, he should follow the advice that he has given her in the past to man up. 
Yeah, I really appreciated what she brought to this episode, albeit through her untimely demise. But, you know, no, he's not going to hurt you. Uh, but Malik is uh, concerned it's even going to go down tonight in front of the others that uh with Gera sent away that it's all the more, uh, ripe to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, she, she brings him back that you've always been a faithful follower. When mom died, I wouldn't get out of bed for a week. And you told me, you know, Malik's, we roll up our sleeves. We man up and, you know, apart from the, the gender rhetoric that's going on there. Uh, not really what you would expect from a guy who's part of this world domination bent cult to kind of empower in a positive way. Again, albeit with the man up, I'm not a huge, uh, you know, believer in that phrase when you're going to tell it to a young woman. Um, and, and what we're, consciously telling her but you know that 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 she dusted herself off and and she got back on task pete actress bethany joy lens gives a certain um buoyancy and certain uh i don't know just just spirit to the character of stephanie uh that I, I think that dad's message of manning up i think that if the intention of the the writer of the production was to it was to to have this most gendered of things be genderless i think that at least to my ears it was mission accomplished i agree it's not something that should be thrown around willy-nilly to 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 the ladies telling them to man up but i think in this case particularly given his age and his generation and all of that this notion of step step up my dear into the prime spot of power into the prime of your potential and so forth. Um, I, 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 I just, I enjoyed that, that turn of phrase as, as I think it was uh, intended here. On the way to the Badlands, uh, Daisy in a pensive moment here finds herself flashing forward. We understand her for the second time, the third time we're seeing this footage, Matt, in five episodes of this fateful, point in the Quinjet, the floating uh, crucifix necklace, the blood, the edge of the shield uniform. They didn't go past where they've taken us to this point. And um, that uh, they've never mentioned this other inhuman that, that Lincoln had never mentioned him before. Uh, seems, and it's pointed out, kind of a red herring that he had never gotten powers. But James, as he's named here, is a demolitions expert. Little uh, hint for the future. And he had been ranting about this new power that was going to rise. Indeed, this uh, this vision of an ancient inhuman who raised the dead. It's almost like Pete were... were barreling towards some sort of uh i don't know story conclusion point five weeks from now where we will get all our answers one way or another and then then perhaps move on to another topic for next season um but it it really it, it really is interesting to deconstruct this episode because there's a certain point uh, to my eyes where um where where we are headed next the the big plane and fitz and colson and may and simmons and mac where that almost becomes the least interesting story 
of the of the night um at least until the end <laughs> at least until the end that's true um but anyhow on on the big plane on zephyr one uh fitz seems to think that it because they've taken to calling it it can use microorganisms to eat flesh and reanimate the dead uh so i like that we're kind of getting this layer of you know kind of the 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 is it Arthur C. Clarke, Pete, who said that uh, science can reach a point where it appears to be magic or a miracle? Um, Sounds familiar. Well, whatever the source it. of that is, we're kind of going backwards with that, that we're going to apply science and say, hey, he's not some sort of god with a big G. He's an alien creature who uses microorganisms to manipulate things. Like, okay, well, that's more sciencey than, I don't know, Hydra God. The idea of controlling these organisms that are eating uh, whatever they should encounter. And Simmons, you know, the, the woman of science here, she's been on the other side of the universe with this. She still can't believe that it uh, came back there with them, that this thing is there. Uh, Mac interrupts, lets them know they are nearing the facility. Uh, and they are on the lookout here for Mr. Guerra. Back we go to the Malik estate. Quidward, Squidward, rather, Quidward, is impressed by Stephanie Malik, and Malik is proud of her. Everybody's just kind of all, it's it's just a big one, one big happy smile here. Um, he, Malik does, reminds Ward that uh, Malik was the one who brought him home, and really nice moment here, Pete, as uh, Brett Dalton is able to play uh, play Squidward as introspective. This idea that daylight is quite a thing when you've done without it for a few centuries. Um, the setting and, here, too, the little pond, the white rocks. I mean, we're just loaded with, um, you know, potential for where this is going on top of the symbolism of what we're showing uh so just really really loaded stuff this scene here and certainly later on uh at the climax of the episode it's nice to see after the character of ward was put on the sidelines um for for much of the beginning of the season now with this version of the character they're really giving things that brett dalton can you know use his perfectly wonderful acting talents to to play with uh and certainly more on that in a bit well hang hang on for a second because i'm glad that you bring that up and the subject of him remembering his hosts uh memories comes up with malik here and if you can't tell the direction that this is going to go with squidward by the end of the season then you're really not paying attention um what we didn't expect was where they went with an additional host that we'll, we'll talk about in course of this episode. But, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of story potential going forward. Moving forward to is the plane, uh, our whole bunch of heroes on it concerned about Ward's powers. There's mention, <laughs> Pete, is a Chekhov's gun moment. Look, there's handprint locks. That's going to be a thing that's used later in the episode, I'm sure. Except it's not. Um, <laughs> maybe it's a misdirect, or maybe it's just stuff left on the cutting room floor. I don't know. But um, certainly I'm thinking back to, I think it's uh, the original Judge Dredd movie, where there's the 
handprint gun and there's a neat little you know bit and bob of story there but we have them in they're a real thing they exist but uh strangely just not something that uh that's that's just everywhere yet um there's even some floated uh backstory about Guerra having been uh special ops before and mac makes a reference to okay instead of uh you know, uh, shooting us, he'll just bludgeon us to death. There's also mention of, hey, what's this special certain room here do? Uh, which is a, a, a little delicious story point held on for later. We return to the Badlands uh, where Lincoln suggests to Daisy that they not use their powers. Uh, with that, there's an Aussie voice calling him over a loudspeaker, recognizing him. Hey, that's James who says not to take one more step. Click. Hey, Daisy took one more step onto a landmine. Perfect time for an act break. Act three begins with Daisy wondering aloud what kind of lunatic lays a landmine in his front yard. Pete, I just want to affirm his right to have landmines, rocket launchers, automatic machine guns with hollow pointed bullet things. You know what? He didn't come all the way from Australia to America to be told you can't mine your own land with landmines man get off my front lawn more importantly james is worried that jai ying sent lincoln and not gordon because we're gonna really just draw out this whole hey jai ying is still around right um james is mildly impressed that daisy uses her powers to to get off the mine Pete, she kind of builds like a power wall around it and then makes James pay for it because she then blasts the land, making them all explode. And uh, Lincoln gives some zippity zaps with his powers, too. And they're just, Pete, they're a well-oiled couple right there. I like that they don't inform him, at least not yet, of of what's what in terms of the inhuman drama and, and what's happened since his involvement with these people um, for as good as the effects are, I'm just a little concerned about, you know, when they need to, Oh, Daisy can hit it into the ground and then it can pop up in other places. You know, Lincoln's powers are fairly straightforward. Daisy's, I guess are a little more nebulous in terms of that. And I'll, I'll, I'll buy into the story conceit, but it just felt a little goofy the way, they had that go before Lincoln went to the lightning. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's I, they probably had a roundtable discussion of what can we do that's inexpensive? What can we do that shows both of them kind of equally powered, um, given that, like you know, her her power in this scene essentially consists of a, a blurring effect and somebody setting off for, you know, containers of gunpowder one after another and right. then you, you put some more blur in there but they've done go. the blurry thing with her before they had never done these okay she's gonna put her hands and project her powers into the ground which are then oddly going to pop up in in other spots so i i think she, it's she's learning pete she's growing she, as a I, character she's on I, a journey and I, <laughs> and I get that <laughs> and i and i acknowledge it but it's like, where's the beginning and end where, th- though she's she's still gaining in her powers, what we can expect from her. Okay, she can manipulate this. And we know of the character's backstory in the comic and everything like that. The nickname Quake and Mac calls her Tremors. But 
you know, an earthquake is different than things projecting up from the ground. Well, I mean, not to not to overly focus on the five second effect. I didn't think that it was her power coming up from the ground as much as she was she was shaking the ground around her in a forward motion, which then caught the mines wherever they were and set them off, thereby making his front lawn uh, safe. Regardless, back to Malik we go. Gideon is told uh, by his brother, because we're in flashback, that dad was a coward. He used a, a cutout hole and a copy of Paradise Lost to ditch the white stone. At least that kind of that's that's how it's presented here. I like that kind of the full um, parlor trick is not is not revealed directly. Um, ah. But the, the, the issue of fathers here, the brothers decide that they're going to do the ceremony the right way because Pete, together to the end. Yeah, and I love what really coalesces in this scene, the uh, the bond that the, the brothers have and the discovery that Whitehall was right. Uh, no, he's a blowhard, but no, here, dad was afraid. It's all right here. Um you know, and, and, and paradise lost. I mean, and bringing Milton into this for, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, um, you'd have to be blind to not see the connections. <laughs> you think get it? that's a little, <laughs> you, you think you, you all get it. Yeah. We don't need to explain it. Uh, Milton was blind. Yeah. But, you know, overcome by his, his fear of, you know, if you were going to pledge yourself to, to this pseudo religious right and knowing what was on the other side, maybe being a realist, you would attempt to, to game the system, which their father had. And, uh, Pete, you know, you're, you're surely not suggesting that a patriarch of a, <laughs> of a powerful, connected, upwardly mobile family would somehow game the system in order to project a certain image to his followers while not believing that doctrine himself. I just wonder if uh, Gideon and Nathaniel are registered to vote. <laughs> Back to the present day, still in our completely fictional world here. Uh, the group, uh, the the uh, could you call them Hydra, Pete? The kind of the 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 religious end of the Hydra. Uh, group here they're all there to meet but pete stephanie has kept the secret then it's time to begin and gideon reveals to everyone it's been a long time good news you're not here for a ceremony but rather a celebration it's a pete, celebration a phrase not used before the hydra god has returned and then we see him and uh for for those so inclined in the audience i guess brett dalton is godlike in his uh, in his appearance a greek god perhaps but handsome man nonetheless and uh there is pete some dissension though from the group yeah the one gentleman there uh i call him hydra guy one uh he says uh what's this you're grant ward um after ward had explained that he is back from exile here he mentions he is just that the body he's in is just a vessel that uh you know you're all gonna get what you deserve um and that the doubters will see and believe and that's when he shows them but Pete, not before he notes all the travelers have returned. 
Um, just kind of sliding it right. in there between, yes, I'm Grant Ward, but this is a vessel. All the travelers have returned. Now we're going to distract you away with showing you the back of the tentacled head. Hey, like Hydra. It's almost like we're working on something here, Pete. A long-term Ward story. At GT Agrochemical there, uh, May and Colson. Uh, head in and uh, they note that uh, any of the files here, they either were taken or destroyed. Uh, Mac, meanwhile, notes that there are, uh, I believe, moths there, Matt, that are dead. It's never explicitly told to us um, before we head back to the Badlands. This is the point, Pete, where I said to myself, this is the least interesting story of the night. The, all this kind of nuance of the Hydra God has returned and, and to see the face of God, the disciples are, are disappointed. And, uh, the notion of the, the, not quite inhuman James who was reaching out for the brass ring and never quite got it. And, and his uh, perspective of the world that was at afterlife and, and, and you know, a, a certain paradise lost there. It's all lovely story stuff. We're going to be talking a little bit. We have Lincoln backstory details, which, which I think is are, are, the details are perhaps imperfectly executed, but we get to know more about Lincoln's past. And, and meanwhile, May and Colson and Mac are kind of doing an action, action, get this, get that go back to the thing, analyze the thing. And it just amidst all this other character stuff and kind of high drama, it was just like CSI in the middle. It's a transitional story. They've got to move from point A to point B point A being last episode point B being the next where they are the ones that need to be bailed out. Fair enough. And as you uh, alluded to back we go to james who is knocked out but waking up because it's you know a show it wouldn't, it wouldn't do to have him sleep for 30 minutes uh he's kind of inappropriately flirty about wrestling daisy for for the knife uh, I, I think the wrestling though might be a metaphor i'm not quite sure yeah. uh, he also thinks that means that something different down under <laughs> speaking of down under he thinks that lincoln is uh giving Jiaying a little extra i assume he means hard work in the group there um also might be a metaphor not quite sure um james wants out of the uh this whole afterlife plan oh wait time to catch him up Jiaying is dead and he's kind of happy that she's dead still though he's not gonna play nice and that's when lincoln offers being turned into an inhuman pete maybe lincoln should have opened with that yeah, but floating the offer as he does now with the Terrigen crystal and a little box there um, to put that on the table, and they've got his attention. Back to Colson we go. They collect some bits of bugs, but hey, gear is on the way. Uh, Colson, who can shoot a gun really well and is using the, the humane and ethical icer gun, um, he quickly takes out Guerra's two escorts and then does little but to provoke Guerra. In this moment, Pete, I said, what writing is this? All you had to do was shoot <laughs> Guerra a couple times. I get that Colson actually is trying to lead Guerra to this special room where the story that's about to unfold after, after the act break will, will unfold. And I thought that that invalidated my argument, but given that they just want Guerra to be in the plastic prison uh, room thing, 
uh, not at the at the location, but rather you know the little uh, what do they call it? The little transportation thing that they have for humans. Couldn't Coulson just have iced him, and then they could have put him in there? That but might it's have been about the drama, Matt. We need to isolate him with May so that we can have the face-off. Boom! Act break. Pete, it's time for the main event. May versus Guerra. Really, really solid fight here. For all the Matrix jokes that we've made about Ward's appearance, this was a, you know, a Matrix fight, perhaps on a TV budget, but it was uh, really, really phenomenal. Good intercutting of what must have been stunt actors and the real actors as well. Uh, I know, obviously, both actors are certainly, certainly well-trained in their own right. Solid fight. Um may battered around a bit but of course pete she knows the way that uh, she can end the fight with this and uh nay all gentlemen uh with that special kick they get guerra into the <laughs> containment box just in time and mac says they'll get him to talk mac ever ever confident and uh speaking of uh where may kicked him back to james we go and uh, james hands over the other ball which is a thing that he doesn't know what it would do, because if it did, then he wouldn't be doing the thing now. But he gets to share some exposition anyway. Some alien thing here, which Daisy immediately identifies as Cree. Uh, he, James, tells her, looks like uh, you're the muscles and the brains. He, Lincoln, is just the haircut. There was a name here, Matt, thrown out. I believe it was Latin. Uh, what was the Latin name? I think it was Alberus. Ah, yes, um, yes, yes, indeed. And there's the story here of the, the, the first humans, not the first people, the first humans here. Um, and uh, that they uh, were, were trying to, to bring back, trying to, uh, to get back to the original idea of what it meant to uh, be who they were. Um, and James says that he's down for the swap here just as long as he can find out from them you're not trying to bring this big bad back. I wondered here if, uh, if Daisy was in on the notion that perhaps where we're headed is that the, the big bad is indeed back. But uh, it, it's some nice uh, illumination on the history of the Inhumans. Uh, they're kind of break off from the from the Cree. How the, this first group of Inhumans were uh, were the progenitors of the current blend and uh, OG. The OG, indeed. Pete, for all the criticism that uh, we or perhaps I give to expositional scenes at times, this was an incredibly handy one where it's actually just a guy talking about history stuff. Um, but it got the information shared quickly and effectively and uh, really kind of well done scene. And then some personal history after a little bit of trickery from Lincoln that, uh, you know, Jai Ying was right that not everybody deserves powers and uh, haven't gotten the upper hand from over James here. Uh, James comes with the knowledge that uh, the boyfriend of the year here, he didn't tell you how his last relationship didn't exactly work out. Stick a pin in that. Pete teased it is that uh, Lincoln perhaps has a darker past than we knew. 
perfect time to head back to Malik Manor. Stephanie, the ever-reliable daughter, pouring her father a scotch. Uh, and she shows off her new present from the Hydra God. Hey, Pete, it's a copy of Paradise Lost. We have this loaded subtext here, Matt. And we can almost guarantee at this point in the episode he's going to die. He's going to be the one killed off here, which I think is, you know, apart from the, the family tragedy, why we appreciate so much the twist that, that happens a little later on. Um, you know, oh, you've got that look, Dad. Ah, oh, no, it's just a, a long day. You're, you're not still questioning him, are you, anymore? That kind of thing. And uh, y- y- you get it, but at the same time, you don't. And, and that's what I think we appreciate the most about drama. As the the sharks seem to circle around Gideon Malik in this episode, as this episode progresses, I just kept saying to myself, "Yep, feels right about on time." This is this is roughly where in the season you kill off your your uh, 50, 50 year old plus uh, established actor who's doing a, a guest star run on Agents of Shield. You know, he isn't this around when Edward James almost died last season? Yep, you know, right on check. Uh, I dare say that the show here is playing with with its own tradition and its own form in order to uh, to entertain us further. Anyhow, Pete, there's a slightly odd transition where uh, Malik walks to the camera, um, and it's kind of you know he he walks and fills the screen, cut to black, then we cut to the shield jet. Slightly weird visuals, but. Uh, we are now on the shield jet on Zephyr One. There's uh, mention of of uh, Simmons's investigation of invasive species. All of a sudden, we've gone from a Hitchcock cut to mention of killer the birds, yeah, you know, starlings, um, birds, bugs, other things, and these invasive species. Uh, it burned them, uh, but perhaps because there's a potential weakness at hand here and they point out that they don't think he is controlling these organisms that chew their way through things they think that he is them that he is a parasite who retains the memories of the things it preys upon sounds even worse when you say it like that and uh colson leaving that meeting um Interesting way to, to present the flashback of Ward here, uh, reflects on that, sees it happen again, and uh, Fitz, who witnessed it, uh, asks if there's something wrong, um, and Colson points out, you were there. Fitz is the one here, I, I love the switch, now towing the company line. We did what we had to do, but Colson reflecting that he feels as if he's crossed the line that payback is not what they do. And, um, you know, he knew it would come back to haunt him. He just didn't know it would come back to haunt him. Also nice too, is the fact that Colson is so guilt ridden over Ward's death. I think it would be easy for the story to just gloss over that, to stick with that company line. Um, the notion of uh, it having been a difficult decision, I think, is is interesting to a point and reminds us of Coulson's fallibility, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all the better here now that Coulson has had to address the ineffectiveness over killing Ward. The fact that he 
essentially did a did a poor job of killing Ward. You know, Grant Ward died, the body was left, now this thing has taken over. Um it's because Colson hadn't killed Ward right. I mean, of course he didn't know it at the time. And, and right. the the death of the character, the death of the 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 Grant Ward's soul or or whatever you like to call it, certainly was achieved. But it, it's kind of he has the guilt Plus, he has opened the door to this thing that might destroy, you know, all Earth. <laughs> and and as somebody who had a problem with the character's decision being as out of character as it seemed to have it now have the payback, okay, I can now accept that. Now it has the dramatic scope where um, th- he has learned that you make an out of character decision, you suffer in such a way. And uh, being racked with this guilt that what has he opened up the world potentially to and, and exposed them to. So that really worked for me. Elsewhere in the plane, Pete, we have uh, Mac talking to Guerra and uh, a nice opportunity given that Guerra has been in so many episodes and, and the actor we've discussed, you know, has has uh, certainly a deeper resume than Asian man who says very little or sometimes nothing. Um, it's nice to kind of get some care, some character moments here from Guerra, who notes in particular that it'll all be worth it. Those who are left will inherit a better world. So this kind of um, you know religious aspect that that we've seen other baddie characters share, it, it's been picked up by Guerra as well. And um, again, just nice to kind of give the character a moment to say, oh, he's not just, I am bad because I twirl my mustache. He he has convictions in what he what he believes in. Was it those who are left or those who are worthy will inherit a better wor- world? I have it as those who are left. But, okay. Um, I... I Pete, between taking the notes and watching the episode and <laughs> prepping the podcast, you know what, Pete? We I can't claim Squidward-like infallibility here. That occasionally I do make mistakes. Uh, May uh, lets them know that they are nearing Dutch airspace, and we're back with Malik. Uh, the book is missing the rock, and Squidward explains here. Oh, so you kept it after all these years. Note number two there, Matt. Something's up. Uh, And Stephanie has joined them here um, in the study. Uh, Hey, Stephanie, why don't you give us a minute? But uh, Ward explains she needs to, she deserves to see this. The the thing that we see is that uh, the, the white rock had a notch in it. And I, I like that there's been this slow reveal here. Um, we see in the past that uh, Gideon and his brother were part of this process. And the show does not even overplay it in this moment. Agreed. Where it, it's only when you kind of put two and two together to see that Gideon, drawing second to last, uses this knowledge of the, the notched white rock and felt that there were two in there and chose the one thereby condemning his brother right. to choose the other. You his... knew the moment they had that discussion together till the end that one would betray the other. And obviously we know which one is alive and we've not seen the other one. 
Um, so you knew it was going to go that way. What you did not know is how this scene where this was recounted would go and that it would be revealed that, uh, oh, was it fate or uh, did something else happen? Then recapping what took place there by the pond, sploosh, with the little stone there, um, that, wait, I loved Nathaniel. Uh, it came down to the two of us, and, uh, you know, the idea that their their father was not the brave man that he claimed to be, Squidward, uh, also not Nathaniel, explaining all of this, thought they had a deal. Wait, Nate? Is that you? And it's at that moment where Ward is Nate. And this is carried by Brett Dalton's subtle, wonderful acting. Yes. Gideon is able to talk to his brother, a brother who says that Gideon needs to make amends. And it's just astonishing how just in those 10 seconds or so, Dalton is playing Nate. And then he starts to slip out of it as Gideon says he's ready to die. And as the scene and, progresses. And, and boy, where where's that going to be useful come the end of the season, Matt? Where, where, how's that going to all that ability that they've just shown us all going to come around? Uh I, I don't know, Pete. It's 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 all grand mystery to me. All I know is Ward is Ward is gone forever, unless of course there's some sort of some sort of creature that can that can have all his memories and 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 yeah, go into the warp core and uh, <laughs> you know do the thing. Is Quinjet out of danger, Daisy? <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah, you just need to get a doctor. Do, doctor, you're Dr. even going to have a Scottish here. guy. You're going to have a Scottish uh, engineer. <laughs> Uh, Matt around for the scene. Now we just need an irascible Southern doctor to come along. Um, anyhow, uh, Gideon is ready to die, but uh, there's even this notion: no, Stephanie is your replacement. Yep. And it's just clear in this moment. Oh, you know, Powers Booth has been so good. Kind of weird that they're killing him off. Maybe not with some sort of Colson showdown, but that's all good. Squidward gives her that the kiss, and you know that the the you know the little girl's all grown up. Then Pete, one of the great twists of the season, we see that she's uh, being infected, and uh, her face turning. It's, it's kind of this this horrid use of simple effects there to make her look worse and worse and worse. You know, Pete, that when she dropped out of camera. She was toast because it was too horrible a thing to see to to have sullied the face of Bethany Joy Lens to a point of death. Oh, we we could not see such a thing on television to to see an angel brought down like that. Now Gideon knows sacrifice and and the concept of the the sacrifice that they were both too afraid to make that real sacrifice previously, and now it is forced upon Malik um, that he's going to do when he needs to, so he can still have a Malik by his side. Squidward needs one, and he kisses her, takes her life. Now you understand this sacrifice. Pete, we return to Act 5. Pete, get the hashtags ready. Days Link, they're all totes in breakup mode to the point <laughs> that they're close to updating their Facebook statuses and stuff. Turns out, Pete, as things turn a bit more serious, that Lincoln had a, a vodka-shaped void in himself and 
that burned with his temper his his previous girlfriend she tried to make him a better man as his drinking increased his anger increased we get the the what what could be slightly uh slightly stereotypical but nonetheless good lesson uh of driving drunk and the awful the awful uh cost that it was almost killing her injuring him luckily gordon appeared having been keeping an eye on lincoln yep. saved them both now daisy knows and she has something to share too pete yeah uh not forgetting here that Gordon brought him to afterlife. It seems that the girlfriend did not make the trip, obviously, because of her injuries. So obviously that uh, relationship ended there. Um, so he explains that uh, he wants her to know uh, he would never hurt her, which I think is kind of bad dialogue because – of course, no one's ever going to say, hey, I'm looking to hurt you. Um, he's sorry they hadn't told this before. And she reveals for the first time that she's gotten another glimpse of the future. And she doesn't know when, but somebody on the team is going to die. Dun, dun, dun. Pete, there was speculation from our pal JJ Nato on Twitter that and this sounded like it was going to be Lincoln had been abusive in the relationship and then then um obviously that not the case in terms of in terms of the the drunk driving it makes me wonder do you think that maybe um the first draft was he was drinking too much he had a temper and he hit and that maybe they dialed that back I didn't see any subtext as to that and they've never portrayed Lincoln as being violent in that way. They've had the alcoholic backstory for about, you know, two thirds of this season. Uh, they had his sponsor earlier. I believe that was the, the episode we had screened at uh, New York comic con where that was first revealed and um, never saw anything of, of an abusive nature out of him. Just to be clear, I'm not, especially to our audience, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not. I'm not asking. Do you think it's possible Lincoln was abusive? More, was there a version of the story where he was, and that that was excised from 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 where we where we ended up? Um, I don't think so. I I certainly hope not because I don't think that's in line with the character. It's not in line with the way he's portrayed. Um, that's in line with Ward's character. Uh, that that's true that's true certainly anyhow we return to zephyr one gara he's trying to get that door open ends up getting uh was that a was that a, a seatbelt buckle pete to kind of yes jimmy it open um a really nice kind of um i, I don't know the problem overfloweth as uh first he takes out fits uh with uh pulling the machine gun away uh, then uh, you, you think Fitz has been a diversion so Mac could get to him, but mm -hmm. with a piece of metal in his hand, Guerra takes out Mac. Then Coulson's all set to do what he has to do uh, until his metal hand is stopped. Pete, when are they going to give the metal hand special powers if Coulson could have, I don't know, like rocket-fired it off his arm and sent Flame it flying thrower. away? Flamethrower, exactly. Heck, Pete, I would have gone for a nice, you know, rose that shoots water at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Gadget, that thing up, man. They really should, and not for the sake of. It could be comedy sometimes, but it could be, it could be a neat way to give you story outs, 
but also be like, thank goodness Fitzsimmons gave me that umbrella that could slow my fall. You know, right. it, it could be a fun bit. Maybe that's season four. I don't know. But I know, speaking of hands, uh, Pete, we move to Guerra's feet. He puts one on Colson's head with a kick. Yes, and finally confronted there with May. Not going to let you uh, go down without a fight here. Uh, he forces the plane down. Um, there's a door that opens in the scenery there. They land. Uh, Simmons is unconscious. May is crawling. She uh, radios for Daisy uh, with a mayday here. Guerra's in control. We need... Breaks off. Okay. Line goes dead. Um, Daisy just recaps here that everyone on the team is on that plane. And Lincoln explains, wait, not everyone. You put together the Secret Warriors initiative. You can't be afraid of that vision anymore. Let's call him in. And the Quinjet peels off. After the final break there, we're back at Malik Manor, where Ward tells a, uh, a saddened Gideon that Guerra has gotten prisoners, uh, as well as a S.H.I.E.L.D. airship. Pete, I don't know if this is the first time that, that uh, you know, them flying planes have been called an airship in the series. But, I uh, haven't heard that either, yeah. I, I just, I, I whether that's insight into... The alien ward, or just a flourish of phrase, or representative of a one of the memories he has, or representative of nothing. I just love that turn of phrase. It's so kind of it's old school. It's new school again. Anyhow, Ward also tells uh, Gideon that uh, that uh, Ward has nothing else to fear, and he's kind of sadistic and kind at the same time as uh, he kind of says brother to brother that they're together to the end. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin with Malik and his backstory here. Malik getting his sympathetic backstory here, not entirely sympathetic, of course. Um, but let me put it this way it is an understandable view of him. We can sympathize with the notion that he is scared out of his mind at, at being the one who was sent. Uh, he's disappointed to discover his father's own frailty after his father's death. I mean, you know, you don't need to be a genius to figure out the, the metaphor of death and frailty. And then, Oh, in life he was, he, he was imperfect as well that he should make this same decision. Uh, and then to kind of, you know, to, to, to have his daughter sacrificed as penance, for his sins and who does the sacrificing but the the hydra god he has worshipped his whole life it's it, i mean you have to feel for the guy it's, it's not quite you know book of job here but it is um it is and i don't know it makes me makes me feel bad for the old the old so-and-so it's become tv convention over the last decade of this golden age of uh television that we're in that when you have an episode of serial tv where a player gets a heavy backstory particularly in flashback that they're going in that episode you need look no further than lost or the walking dead or any big hit on tv and i love that they uh zag instead of zig with that here 
and more effective for it that we're left with him at the end of the episode there. And, and the only thing he can do is, is drink his sorrows as he's pretty much a prisoner of this entity that has Grant Ward's memories, has his brother Nathaniel's memories and, uh, that, that uncle, uh, just killed his daughter. And, now the other guy's talking. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, you do, you do feel for him. I did not imagine I would feel for him in the way that I did. It's a credit to the show that they've placed us here because when when he first showed up in the series, it was like, oh, hey, it's Powers Booth as world security guy to be terribly mysterious guy from the shadows who manipulates things to this day. And they've they've rounded him out nicely. From gravitas to grief. Ooh, well well said, Pete. How about Squidward, Matt? Now to learn that there there's multiple personalities going on in there. What'd you make of that, Pete? To find out that this invasive uh, parasitic creature. Uh, has assimilated all these all these prior uh, individuals, brought brought them into the collective, and now they speak with one voice, one one robotic, gleeful voice. Ever ever assimilating, it's uh, frankly I've I've not seen anything like it on TV before, except for the <laughs> Borg. But that said, I mean we're heading towards there now being this this. Uh, story out with which we can we can both have our award and eat it too no metaphor intended um but uh for where we are at right now it's a, it's a nice and interesting development for the character so matt let's let's get the 800 pound parasitic gorilla in the room for a second and you know we know of all the ward baggage now we can bring in another character that he's uh, consumed uh, and, and bring that in. Certainly offers potential in the course of just those two characters. Any other characters, it might be revealed. You know, this, this could create a situation with Simmons and Will. Uh, should, they, should they interact? Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting point to the character. We still have not had the character's name from the comic spoken on screen. Why we're still resorting to names like Ward and Squidward and all that. Um, it, so, uh, you, you know, just really unknown character territory. It's, it's quite a good, uh, turn of writing there that now this singular character can be many characters um and i don't know to what degree they had at the time of the the writing of this episode they had a a sense of uh where the rest of the season was going i would expect that the the (laughs) the the plan was quite high um i don't know that they knew they were renewed yet but certainly this gives you plenty of potential to let's say get Ward back in some degree or to, you know, we've discussed in the past. um, I fear for, for Brett Dalton that they're going to get rid of the character and I want Brett Dalton to be around. Is he potentially another character? Does, does one voice out of the many survive after 
the the whoosies and the whatsies that we have ahead of us it's it gives them tons of tons of potential through which they can find the best choice from an unfamiliar character matt to an unfamiliar character with familiar beats so let's let's think about this this inhuman james we've we've got an australian inhuman um you know out on his own didn't didn't get the powers but is looking for him is is kind of a soldier of fortune type with the with the demolition you know almost thought that if he was going to get the powers that maybe it would give him like rapid healing and uh then he would go off and seek some kind of weapon x uh you know enhancements crikey uh, yeah i i was surprised that they didn't um power james at the end even without the the idea that we're headed towards a, a unification of the secret warriors and and so forth um I, to me it was just kind of a logical point and um i mean i'm not complaining that they did the switcheroo in fact if anything it shows that with great power comes great responsibility and lincoln does not think that just anyone should have that uh, power because they don't have the responsibility blah 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 but i, I um it would have been easy to just go, boom, here's a new power, and now we have, you know, whatever guy to use if, if we want to go that route down down in the future. So an episode of Twists, Pete. With Mr. Guerra here at the end and the, the way that he brings the the plane down, it would be easy to say that he is a guy that has existed. We've had a couple confrontations with him. You know, there was one earlier in the season where – you know, they were in the room with the pipes and finding out what he could do for the first time. You know, your mind flips to that one. And then you fl uh, flip to the confrontation he had with May um, before he was knocked out earlier in this episode. This a really different note for this character, particularly ever having had that conversation with Mac earlier about um, you know, what's what's going to happen and buying into the uh, Squidward, um, you know, ideology of, uh, you know, what, what is to come and bringing this jet down and, you know, somebody who has existed previously as kind of like a henchman now having a little bit more importance on top of the fact that Malik has relied on him so much. He's referred to earlier in the episode as his right hand. He's without this right hand. Who's really off and doing damage, you know, beating the team on his own. Yeah. Uh, actor, uh, Mark DeCasos is somebody who carries with him a certain sense of gravitas. Uh, hence he played the chairman on iron chef America. Um, but I mean, uh, I was going to say jokes, but it is, it is of course, no joke. He, he did a wonderful job there. But his the weight that he brings on screen, it, it would have been ill-conceived to bring on an actor who, by the way, has won numerous karate and kung fu championships uh, earlier in his life and somebody who has acting experience and somebody who can emote on screen and all of that uh, to then just kind of not lead him towards some sort of... Um, larger role or conclusion or, or whatever it might be, I think would have been, been a poor decision. So 
I'm glad that we're here where he's getting more screen time. He's getting more action. He And we're going to look back and say, yeah, you know, he was hardly in a couple of episodes. And here we are now at the last month to go for season three. And, and you know, there's, uh, you know, they're, they're having him do all sorts of things. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, let's begin with Malik's dad. How did he die? Ooh, I, I did not think we were going to be headed there. Uh, I, I guess in the course of the episode, I just assumed it was natural. Uh, it, it seems, Pete, you're suggesting trouble was afoot in, in 1970 Hydra. I don't know, the, 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 the CD world of Hydra goings on. Trouble in Hydra Paradise Lost, perhaps. Um, I mean, it's so loaded, the conversation they have with Whitehall. I can only imagine that there was some kind of assassination to to engineer that meeting so that he could poison the, the two boys to their father's legacy to, to start this kind of chain reaction. I mean, it's... You're in a writer's room and, and you're looking at and, and to bring back uh, the fantastic Reed Diamond um, for one scene, Matt, just to make this connection for these two boys who it was very difficult to tell apart. <laughs> um, <laughs> seems like overkill. You may, in in the uh, in noting the presence of uh, of Daniel Whitehall, you may give us some sort of clue here, uh, story wise, for there being some sort of backstory. Um, you know, intra. Uh, I guess it would be yeah, it would be intra intra Hydra drama uh, leading to the death of uh, the death of the father. There, to to pull out of the narrative for a second, I would be concerned that with five hours left across four weeks and of course being a being a two-hour finale on uh, on may 17th i would be concerned that there isn't enough time potentially to go back and explore that although even if it was done in a scene or two um that would certainly fit so i guess uh, something to watch out for in these remaining four episodes squidward ward's in there nathaniel malik is in there just how many other people hanging around in there? And uh, wh- what do you think of the directions we might go in? Well, I think that from the outset, it should be pointed out that though Squidward presents uh, himself as a uh, um, n- not just having the memories of, of all that he has consumed, but kind of having them in him, that's not necessarily the case. It could just be that he has the memories um, and that it's not the voices, the personalities, the, the, the essence of their, their personality. I think, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a wonderful bit of, of writing that now you can go in whatever direction you need to go. Um, it certainly seems as though they're headed towards all those people are in there, including Ward, because we might just have a way to keep him around for the fourth season. We, we killed his body, but kept his body, and now his mind is still in his body. Can we bring him back? Dare say, Pete, can we make him good again? If ever he was good, which he wasn't. But anyhow. He was good in the first season, wasn't he? Well, he, 
again, nothing against Brett Dalton. The character appeared to be good in the first season, but he had secretly been bad this whole time. He was Hydra or or quasi Hydra. Or was he? Oh, Pete, you're. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to say, what with your advanced knowledge and secret manila envelopes, etc. Open our mailbag here. Let's check the wire. Matt, the Facebook page for Fantastic Geek receives a communique from one Mary Kirk. And she writes in, hey, guys, so I'm actually a historical recreationist on the weekends and as such have come to study the way clothes are put together quite closely. Everyone has jumped immediately to Neo as an inspiration for Squidward's new duds. But I have to tell you to look a lot closer to quote unquote home. That design has a lot of echoes of Loki's jacket. First and most important difference is the bottom. Neo's coat is made super swirly and flowy at the bottom by adding more fabric. Uh, She explains here, you cut a slit and insert triangles and fabric, giving you uh, a lot more fabric at the hem than the waist, gives a ton of movement and swirl. Loki in the first Thor movie had a jacket made with a closed bottom, but there was hardly any movement in it. Loki's coat was made of leather and Squidward's looks to be a lovely heavy wool. Thing about both of those, if it, I'm sorry, is if you need um, or if you add extra fabric, they get even heavier. So the answer, make the base of the coat four separate panels. You still get the feeling of flow and movement at that point without making your poor actors tote around extra poundage. Also, while the top of the coat does bear some more resemblance to Neo with the standing collar, the shoulders on it are actually built out. So you increase the feel of the width of the shoulders, creating more of a V shape down to the waist. That effect was also created on Loki's outer coat but is lacking in Neo's. Just letting you know, Marvel is pulling from its own cinematic themes for villains, not dipping into someone else's design garden um, emoji with the little tongue sticking out. Fascinating stuff there. Uh, Certainly, that certainly is not an area of our expertise. So I thank Mary for for sharing hers. Uh, it's it's a funny road that costumes can take. Um, whether whether you have the Agents of Shield costumers um, uh, taking visual inspiration from the movies, or as some people suggested a couple episodes ago, um, taking outright costumes from uh, Captain America: Civil War in in the Russian uh, army coats. Um, also, uh, just as a, as a side note, Pete, I happened to be watching The Mummy over the weekend and uh, saw a trivia bit that there's a scene there with a whole bunch of Cairo extras, uh, one of them wearing a brown uh, cloak, which was later discovered to be Alec Guinness's cloak from Star Wars. So you never know where all your costume influences are coming from. Heck, you never know where that costume itself might have been. It was the actual costume? 
it was the actual costume that had been rented by a British company, just as wow. you know, desert whatever. You know, a lot of these costumes they would just go rent back that out, huh? <laughs> apparently so, and uh, it's. Uh, in the scene where they're driving through a whole bunch of Cairo extras, you can, oh. it's actually pretty noticeable for its pointy, pointy, uh, hood. I'll, I'll also point out that, uh, cause there was some discussion here, um, with Mary on Facebook. And she also pointed out that the color of, uh, Squidward's garment is green, not black. Ooh. Uh, whereas it, it seemed, I thought it was black. <laughs> Uh, but it apparently, uh, you know, her, uh, her eye is telling her here that it is a very, very dark green, you know, kind of like Loki as well. Maybe some, some hope springing eternal there from, from the blackness, uh, the, the color of green growth and Pete ever growing, ever flowing is your following on Twitter. How can people be in touch with you there? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 7,547 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. We are a fantastic geek that is fantastic with the PH. You can find us on that name, on the dot com, the Gmail, the Instagram, the Twitter, and more, Pete. How did Mary get in touch with you? Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH, all one word. Get those likes in here, growing and growing. The only, the only person that might be growing faster is Squidward. <laughs> well, Pete, if you're listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be back later in the week for the continuation of the Daredevil Podcast. If not, we'll be back next week with more S.H.I.E.L.D. And with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Together until the end. Together until the end.